Hey everybody, welcome back to the How To Podcast. The How To Podcast is a lifestyle podcast on creating the life you want. This week we have Mallory Kiesling. Mallory is a design assistant at Macy's in New York City. I'm so pumped to have Mallory on the podcast this week. We talk about how her love for fashion started, like making dance costumes and selling them on Etsy, to going to college and studying abroad in Paris, all down to her big move to New York City in 2018, and how she landed the job at Macy's. She also chimes in on her go-to basics for anyone's closet, including options for the guys, and trends we can expect to see in 2021. She also tells us how we can build our wardrobe without having to spend thousands of dollars. Mal is so much fun and I love talking about her and her whole journey and I'm just so proud of her and I know you guys will love it. So let's get going. Hi, Mal. Hey. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh my God, I'm so excited. A little nervous, but excited. No, don't be nervous. For the listeners who don't know, we have known each other since like what third grade yeah I would say that's like my first memory of us like hanging out like doing gymnastics stuff like yeah 320 parties like totally. I don't even know like <laughs> and you were always really into dance and costumes and fashion and I was wearing gauchos <laughs> I wore gauchos too when I started dancing every dance routine you have a different costume as much as I love the dancing part I fell in love with the costumes seeing like other dance studios on stage and I eventually went to a studio where the costumes were so extravagant like they were all very expensive rhinestones on every single inch of it we would turn everything into a show-stopping outfit and I was obsessed I was just like I want to learn how to do this and so from there I started making my own solo costumes and my mom would help me because she grew up sewing with her grandma so she had the skills to do what I was envisioning during my lunch breaks at (laughs) at dance class I was just like designing all our outfits and I would be like hey I think we should add feathers on our costume right here I just fell in love with that right because for competitive dance essentially you buy the basics like you buy the shorts you buy the skirt you buy the bra or whatever but then a lot of people have to make their own costume, right? Yes. I mean, I was in like 14 dances. So we would have 14 individual costumes and then you had to pack those for all the different competitions. competitions. And so it was like a big studio. There was probably like 350 costumes. So I started designing for the costume sales. And then I started designing for my friend's solos because I was just like really into it. I loved researching it. And I guess that's where I really started thinking, okay, I want to be a designer. I started my own business on Etsy way back in like 2010. And, and was um, it dance costumes? Like selling dance yeah, costumes? Yeah, it was custom dance costumes because we did them through the studio, but I was like, mom, like, let's make it a business. I was always wanting to like build my own business. We started doing that and I was like, okay, we can sell our old costumes here as well as like make new ones and then we can make money. Like I was turning like $200 a costume and with materials we already had, we started getting orders and I sold probably like 45 costumes. Oh my gosh. High school, you were running your own dance costume business with your mom. And then we graduated high school in 2014. And then you went to Mizzou, you danced on the Golden Girls team there. What was your official major? I want to say like fashion, but I think of the actual term is human environmental sciences with an emphasis in product development and a minor in business. It, I mean, it sounds legit, but like it should just be fashion design. So whenever you first, if your freshman year, like going in, did you know that you wanted to go into the fashion design part of fashion? Or were you like, maybe I'll go more into business buying side of it? No, I wanted 
wanted to go to FIT right after I graduated high school, but my parents were like, New York, scary. Oh my God. You're not ready for that. Once I realized I wasn't going to be going to FIT, I was like, okay, well, at least Mizzou has business. So that's why I was like, okay, well, one day I want to have my own business, my own fashion line. So I'll learn both sides. And so I did that minor in business so that one day I could do that. But we also took merchandising classes with our product development classes. So I really just like got to know how to design things in my product development role at Mizzou and then also got the whole business side, which FIT doesn't. They have everything separated into like fashion business, blah, blah, blah. In college, you traveled abroad and you went and studied in Paris for a little bit? Yes. So I went to the Paris College of Art and it was one of the only English speaking schools in Paris that also did fashion design. A lot of them were, okay, you can come study abroad, but it's not everyone speaks like you need to have training in French. And I mean, I took French in high school, but (laughs) I did not pay attention at all. So I was like, there's no way that I could be in a class that's French speaking. It was okay. To be honest, French people are not the kindest to Americans. Right. (laughs) And when I could say like the most basic of things, it wasn't like natural, like I wasn't fluent enough for me to have a conversation. I was in the classes from nine to like seven o'clock every single day. So that was a huge adjustment. And it was only four weeks. But between like the weird hours and the long days, I just like wasn't used to that life being in college, like only going to class for a few hours. It was just not exactly what I expected. But I will say I learned a lot. And I also like got me ready for what the work life will be like one day. When it comes to fashion and trends, are they ahead of America? Are we kind of like riding on their coattails or? Yeah, I would say, okay, especially like way back, like before social media, before the internet, because now you have access to the runways. Like before they would hire artists, like go to the runways, sketch things, take a boat back to New York and then show it off. So that obviously was like, I don't even know. Adding time. Situation. <laughs> so you would be a six months behind, but now there's like the internet and online shopping. Vogue.com, you can see every single gallery of every single fashion runway show, like the night it comes out. It's not to say that they're ahead of us. I would say they're more open to bolder statements. Like in the Midwest, you know, it probably takes about a year for the trends to follow from New York to there just because they're not ready for it. And then eventually once they start seeing it more and TV. And that's when we start to be like, Oh, it's cute. It's cute. Were you doing any internships or jobs before graduation? My first two years of college, I had a lot on my plate. I did not have a job my first two years. And then after I quit Golden Girls, I was like, Okay, so I'll get a job at a boutique. I really found out how it is to run a small business, learning how they do the books, how they set up a store, what their thoughts are on buying and all sorts of things like that was something I was interested in. So the whole time, I just was like trying to get to know like different parts of the industry and really boutiques are the only way to do it unless you work at a sewing company or like a seamstress was like kind of the other route so then the other thing is my sophomore year I had quit golden girls and I had a free summer and I had never had a free summer before so I decided I needed to get an internship so I actually was looking and I wanted to get one in New York, but it was past the times where they were taking anyone on. Where else? What's a big city? And I was like, LA. And that was full. And then I was like, okay, Chicago. So Chicago's close. I can drive. I know people that live there. Like maybe I could stay with them for like two months in the summertime. So that's when I decided to go out to Chicago. And I found 
a last second internship. It was unpaid, which was like a bummer. It was a handbag company. It was called Brand Capella Handbags. It was just her and her interns. And she was always doing internships. Like she'd have four interns at a time. We like make the handbag labels for them, make the shipping labels, talk to clients on the phone. It was all made in the USA. So we actually went to the factory, saw what she did. I actually designed a bag, which she never ended up implementing in the line, but <laughs> I did spend a couple weeks on that. Definitely gave me insight into what it would be like to have my own business in the United States. So that was kind of interesting. After that was over, I was back in school. Following year after that is when I actually went to Paris. And when did you decide you were going to move out to New York? So I kind of planned to move to New York forever. Basically, like I had kind of mentioned, really, once I graduated, I moved out June 7th. So about two weeks after I graduated, I was like, okay, let's go. (laughs) This is the deal, parents. I do school in Missouri, and then I'm off to New York City. It was definitely a kind of a tight turnaround, but I was, I'm ready to go. Let's talk a little bit just like about New York and moving there, especially straight out of college. It's kind of scary. How was your move to New York? Like, did you drive out there? Did you fly? Flew Southwest where you get two free bags and a carry-on, and I just filled it up with summer clothes and my bedding and then ordered a blow-up mattress to be delivered to my apartment and that's what I did to move out there. Step one to moving to New York was I needed to find a roommate so I started looking up YouTube videos like how people went to New York and someone mentioned an app called the Roomie app. That's what I first did was download that. Gave my information out to probably 25 people and finally one person was like hey FaceTime me I need an opening in the next week and I was like okay my rent was like $1,400, which is really reasonable. Two bedroom, one bathroom. It was a two bedroom converted. It was one bedroom that like my area was probably like the bigger living room dining area. And then they put up a wall to make it a two bedroom, which is super common in New York. Did you have any friends in New York or how did you make friends? Because I feel like that's a big thing when people move out. It's almost what deters people from moving. They're like, I don't know anyone. I don't have any friends. So how did you make friends or did you know people? So one of my friends from college, she had a mutual friend that actually lived in New York City. And so I actually met up with him a few times and he would introduce me to his friends because he had already been living there for a year. So as he introduced me to his friends, I became friends with them. And then it just kind of spiraled into a friend group. Now that I've been living here for a few years, I met people through work. I met people through going out, through mutual people that were visiting. The amount of times I probably know two people at an apartment party more than not, which is definitely an an uncomfortable situation when you go from college where you know everyone. You just have to keep going and don't be afraid to put yourself out there and be yourself. Let people know who you are and be open to new friends. And a lot of people are from around here. They grew up in Long Island City or Jersey City and they they had their college friends that moved into the city already. So you really have to put yourself out there and be weird about asking for people's numbers. Be like, hey, want to get lunch? Like, I would love to hang out with you and become friends. And I've done that to so many girls and half of them never become friends. But the other six or so now I have like best friends in the city and it's definitely taken me a long time I've been here for three years now it's definitely not an easy task but that's how I made friends <laughs> yeah no I totally agree I feel like it's the same when I moved to Utah I made a few friends from work but it's so hard and mm-hmm. right, like it's very awkward and there are times that you like don't want to go to a party because you know maybe one or two people but it's like the best thing you can do right the worst thing that can happen is you leave like that's all that's my mindset is like okay I show up I'm uncomfortable I don't like it. All right. Bye. People who aren't like accepting friend applications, you probably won't even be in a situation where you're hanging out with them as they yeah, are not they're accepting. probably not your people. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows that New York is expensive, but 
like what's the real rundown on how expensive is it right now in my one bedroom one bath apartment I spend I would say like $2,500 to actually live in my building in my apartment and I'm on like this like a lower level like there's no view there's barely any windows it faces the back of the whole building so it's it's definitely not luxurious. You know, anywhere else, it's like you're going to be having, you're going to be like carried up to your door. Or even in New York, <laughs> it's like you have an on the window air conditioning unit. A lot of times there's not as much security, right? There's just not, it's not as fluffy as you think. No, it's definitely not glamorous like the movies. Like the movies and stuff, they are in $15,000 a month buildings. Do you have exactly. a and washer I mean, I, and dryer in your apartment? So they have one in the basement, which is actually like a huge perk. A lot of buildings you have to go to the laundromat so I definitely am glad I got to avoid that prior to moving did you have a job lined up or did you apply when you got to New York I was applying for jobs I would say the second semester of my senior year and heard not a single thing I probably applied to 50 jobs but my address was my parents address it showed Missouri and I guarantee you that they just pushed it to the side and were like she doesn't live here she's just like a Missouri girl wants to move to New York blah 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 so I was like okay mom I'm telling you I need two months and I will have a job. So when I first got there, I put on an interview outfit and I just was going door to door to boutiques and retail shops around me, place around me that was walking distance. So I was like, I don't want to pay for the subway to go to work. Half the time we're like, oh, it's online. And I'm like, what the heck? What's going on? (laughs) I'm ready to go. I'm ready for my interview. So I kind of got turned down from that. And so then I was like, okay. So I went home, applied to all the retail stores online. And then after that, I was like, okay, now I need to get my full-time job. It's probably going to take me like three months to get a full-time job, but I'll just work retail part-time. If I need to, I'll be a waitress. Like I was determined to be off my parents' bills. You need like a year to two years of experience. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna have a horrible two years and then it'll be fine. It'll be great. The first job ever interview I went to, I ended up getting that job. So then I'm in New York two weeks in and I have my full-time job at Aritzia and a full-time job for a vendor. So vendors sell to big department stores and you pretty much manage samples for like a sample room and then they sell to boutiques or department stores. So it's kind of a boring job. Like it's definitely not luxurious. Like I didn't design anything. Came in wearing like slacks and pumps and I was like, I'm ready for my first day. Of yes, fashion. New York. Yes. And definitely the Midwestern girl who like shows up way overdressed, doesn't realize that the fashion industry isn't glamour. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And then I spent that day and then I literally walk in, they had no computer for me, no desk, nothing for me to work on. And I was like, okay, um, that was red flag number three. So I was ended up working 80 hours a week. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, so overworked. I did that for about four months and then I hit a wall. I had a mental <laughs> breakdown. I was the girl on the subway bawling her eyes out. Were you ever just like, this is not the New York dream, I thought. <laughs> no, it was so embarrassing. Like, my body hurts. My brain hurts. I can't do it. I have failed. My dreams are over. Like, I can't do it. I can't do New York City. And I just started bawling. It was a full train, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> There were, like, people going out. It was, like, a Saturday night, I think. I don't even remember. I was so devastated. I was like, this is not what I imagined. I thought it was going to be freaking cute and fun and flirty and, like, girly and sparkles and glamour I don't know what I was thinking moving here and I just broke down and then I got off the subway and I was like all right regroup what do we need to fix what do we need to change how are we gonna make this work how are you gonna prove to yourself and everyone you know that you can do it and I was like okay better job I need to be paid more like this job isn't good when did you decide that you wanted to work at Macy's and what was that job process like so I was kind of stuck in this job like oh I don't know things enough like I need to get to a full year 
year before I start looking for a new job. I really was set on this one year mark. But then at a certain point, I was like, okay, this place is kind of toxic. I don't really think this is what I want to do. I'm not really getting anywhere with this. So about six months in, I started looking for a new job. At a certain point, I kind of was like, I'll just go to the online websites. And then I scrolled down to the bottom and said career options. So I did that at Macy's, Ralph Lauren, like J. Crew, Madewell. A job popped up for sweaters at Macy's and I had zero sweater experience. And I was like, okay, well, we'll just throw it out there. Like I applied anyway, like most jobs, wasn't qualified, did it anyway. I got a email and I was like, Oh my God, it's happening. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Go in for my interview. And in the first five minutes, the person I was interviewing with was pretty much like, Oh, you don't have any sweater experience done. All right. Interview over. And I was crushed. Director of all designers ended up coming in. We talked for about 45 minutes. She understood where I was coming from because she was actually from a small town herself in Pennsylvania. And she didn't have any connections coming to the city. She was like, okay, we have another opening in the department. I'm going to go grab someone else to interview interview you and I just sit there and I'm like okay I'm supposed to be back at work in 10 minutes but this isn't (laughs) worth it like who cares I'll just say my dentist appointment went over (laughs) (laughs) after about seven interviews and three months of going through HR I finally landed the job that was extremely exciting and so the one piece of advice I would give for anyone interviewing for a larger company they feel like they're not qualified they're looking for someone who's willing to do the work. I literally told them like multiple times, I'll do anything. I am willing to do anything. Like I really want this job. I love Macy's. I will work for you. I will do whatever. Like I was just like very hire me. And then I showed up with the work that showed that I would do anything. I wasn't all talk. I like showed them my project and it was so precise and it went above and beyond. And they saw that I had the drive and then they hired me that day. That was the one thing that I learned from this. Totally. And on the podcast too, what I talk about a lot is life is a mix of luck and opportunity. It was like lucky that you happened to talk to the director, but like also if you're not willing to participate and show up, then nothing will happen to you. Exactly. Now I'm a design assistant for a private label that Macy's is kind of hustling a lot and working yourself to death. Is that kind of the industry standard? A lot of people start there and then they get their good job at like Macy's or wherever. Yeah, I definitely would say for sure. I think without the connections, without any real thing on my resume, like it was businesses that people never heard of. Like I was in Missouri, so they never heard of it, didn't really know anything about it. So there was no, I I was just like a like clean slate out of college. So I, people didn't know what to expect from me as a worker. Definitely had to put in my eight months at that one company and it was hard and it it was taxing and I wanted to give up all the time but I think that makes me appreciate this job more as well as also have the ability to like show up for work like I made a lot of mistakes at my first job if I had made those mistakes at this job I probably wouldn't be here you know what I mean (laughs) what is the like day-to-day tasks of a design assistant are you the one who's actually (laughs) designing the clothes are you assisting the actual designer how does that work yeah so as a design assistant I mostly assist the designer but I definitely give my two cents on ideas we have trend reports there's a fashion office that pulls all kinds of information they send it out to us and we sort of make our concepts and our ideas and our next lines based on those trends. I definitely can bring ideas and be like, we have to have this item in our line for October. For the summer, we really should hit this trend. I've seen it everywhere, but I don't make the final call. But day to day, I would say it starts with a concept and then that goes into like making the clothes that you will one day wear. And that process is extremely very tedious. It's like, yeah, it's like um, bill of materials or PLM and 
you you're just inputting information because every single shirt you have has the tag with all these like all this information all that stuff has to be completed before it goes out to the factories pretty much where a bulk of my things are done after they're created and the meeting samples are shipped to us then we have the beautiful task of approving every single thing on the item before it actually gets put into mass production. So that's pretty much my main job. But we do have, you know, those few weeks here and there throughout the year where we get to like go shopping and and we get to be inspired by other brands and see what the trends are going to be for that year. And that's the exciting part of the job, which makes it kind of worth it. We do have a bunch coming out for the spring and summer. And a lot of those things I also designed. I'm excited to see it. So COVID has obviously been a difficult time, especially for all the department stores. It seems I feel like I was reading articles online that a lot of the department stores were having a hard time. What has been your experience being in the fashion industry during COVID? Before COVID hit, Macy's was already kind of redefined Macy's. Like it's definitely leaned towards an older customer. We're trying to get into, you know, that under 40 crowd. I was actually moved to the brand I work in now. So luckily, like within Macy's, there's different job opportunities. Five months into that Corona hit, it definitely impacted the company. 11% of the company on furlough. About half my team was let go. The world is ending. Like what's going on? There's a lot of challenges and a lot of up and down in fashion because, you know, it's not an essential thing to have new clothes. People aren't buying clothes for the events they used to go to. And society as a whole has changed their needs. And, you know, fashion industry has to adjust to that. That's been one of the biggest challenges I've had. You've recently taken up a side hustle of YouTube? Yes, I have. So how long have you been a YouTuber? I was furloughed over the pandemic for about four months and I was going insane. When I first came to New York, I was like, I'm going to start a blog. I want to be a blogger. I'm going to blog my experience. But with my, you know, mental breakdowns and um, 80 hours a week, I was like, there was no time. No freaking way. There's literally no way to do it. I put that off until I had the time. And then when furlough started, I was like, okay, let's make it serious. I started being more consistent about it and actually putting out videos every week and not being worried about what people that I, you know, went to school with think about me posting on Instagram, like, hey, new video. I would say in the last four months, been consistent every week, really see a direction for my YouTube channel. You know, a lot of people who listen to this aren't as fashionable, or maybe they just need some help. So this is now the fashion consulting segment of the show. So for a lot of people, because whenever I watch your YouTube, I'm like, wow, she has so many clothes. (laughs) And and like, she just like knows how to put them all together. I'm like, I don't even know how these outfits came together, but they look so good. And so for a lot of people when they're like, honestly, I just need to wipe my closet because that's how I feel like every time I watch your videos, I'm like, I just need to wipe my closet. I need to get all new things. But it's like stressful, obviously. Like I literally went the other day to put like, go take some things to donation. And I was like, I don't even know where to start. And I feel like if I get rid of all my clothes, I'll have no clothes. So for people who you know, all of that's really stressful. And you're like, okay, this is where you start the basics. What are like five basics that every girl needs to have in their closet? Hmm. Okay, so definitely like a good pair of ripped mom jean. I would say that is my number one go to in my closet. You can dress it up with like a blazer. Or you can dress it down with, you know, sweater and just wear flats or, you know, you can put booties on with it. I would say that's the most transitional jean right now. I would say a blazer would be good. I think you can also dress that up and down. You can wear it to work and then you can wear it to drinks. I mean, we're 
pretending that there's no pandemic happening right, right. now. But if you were going to work and then happy hour and then, you know, a date or something, that would be something you can easily throw on heels with. So is wear. it a blazer? It's just, is this just what we're thinking? Like a classic, like black blazer that people used no, to wear no, with no, business no. suits? Like what? Any blazer that is not the plain classic black blazer that we would wear with a suit. I would say some kind of, in the summer, you can do like a linen pinstripe. In the winter, like a herringbone or plaid, like a menswear sort of look. Bigger is like definitely more fashionable. But even if it's, you know, more fitted, that's still cute. You can definitely do that. You want the blazer to go past your pants. Because if it doesn't, then it's a little too uptight. So go past your waist um, with the blazer. Yeah, you definitely want to do that. The most basic of basics, I would say like a moto jacket. You can definitely wear that anytime, anywhere. Well, you know who you're talking to. What's a moto jacket? <laughs> like a moto, you could wear like a leather jacket or like okay. a pla- like a patent jacket. Like anything with those big buckles like that has like that belt on it. Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? With right. like the grommet, like the metal. You look it. like you're about to like get on a motorcycle. Yeah, moto like a, a moto jacket. Yeah, okay. that's yep, exactly yep, yep. it. You definitely want a really cute white tee. I don't care if it was $10 or $100. If it's a clean, classic, like, white tee, you can layer that. You can wear that underneath your moto jacket with your mom jeans, and you are just looking fashionable and put together. I have a total of five white t-shirts and I hate them all where mm-hmm. do you get a good white t-shirt so my favorite one is actually from J Crew. it's called okay. the perfect fit they have them on sale at Nordstrom's Rack sometimes for literally $10 but I think brand new they're like 40 Madewell makes good basic and do you want it Abercrombie to be fitted bitch. or do you want it to be more loose I prefer the fitted so I can tuck it in but also sometimes I do want the looser to like do the French tuck which is where you just tuck it into the beginning of your pants and not all the way around. So it really depends. You need them both. Honestly, just get them all. Get them all. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that last absolute need is anything leather. So leather is huge right now. I mean, you can do a leather trench coat. You can do a leather pant, a leather trouser, um, a leather skirt which I would say to steer away from that mini skirt that you're kind of picturing, I would do a below the knee with like a slit skirt. We're over the mini skirts right now. That's kind of out. Knee length skirts that are in. Yep, leather shorts. Anything, anything leather. And you can wear it with that white tee. You can wear it with that trench coat. And you can combine leathers too. Like there's no rules here. Okay, we love that. (laughs) And then yeah, what are some, on the topic of trends, what are some other 2021 trends that we're seeing okay so yes definitely the leather but there's different iterations of leather you can do the patent leather you can do the crocodile leather the snakeskin is kind of teetering on its way out unless it's a colored snakeskin so that black and white snakeskin is still in for sure like I have black snakeskin boots and I wear them all the time but I think it's on its way out so I don't know if I would invest in those right now unless it was like a brown snakeskin speaking of brown that is huge like I know you think black everything that's a staple but I'm telling you brown is coming in full force and all the different shades like more chestnut to that chocolate color definitely brown anything brown sweaters brown leather blazers that's huge brown trousers brown plaids just brown everything that's huge i recently also got a gap hoodie and i've seen those are they're they're big they're big the big like 90s hoodie with a collar 
um, and a tennis skirt. You know, those TikTokers have really set the trend this year. And that's probably not something that I would have picked out, but I'm not saying I'm not going to wear it in spring. I got the Gap hoodie because I saw a TikToker tell me I had to get it and I had it within 20 minutes. I was like, they're right. But (laughs) I messed up. I like just like panicked and I bought, I mean, it's a small, so it's not oversized, but I'm like, I think it's still better to have, have one than nothing at all. (laughs) I think you can definitely still make that work, especially with the tennis skirt, because while you want your tennis skirt be shorter-ish, you don't want it to be like so short that you can't see your pants. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And then another thing I saw is the like knee-high white boots or like a more fashionable style cowboy boot. Yes. So I definitely would say the white boot. I don't know if I can get into this one just because New York is so dirty that I might skip out on this trend because of this reason, but it's huge. And I would say you could do it like either a little bit above the ankle, kind of with that pointed toe, like traditional kind of booty up to right underneath the knee. The over the knee is out. Show that knee. We are show the knee right underneath the knee. That's going to be the boot of next year, especially. It's starting this year, but I think with people, you know, not really going anywhere, people aren't investing in their shoes. They're like, what the heck? I wear one pair of shoes like a month. Right. My my friend Aubrey, she found these. They're not under the knee. They're more like mid-calf and they're white cowboy Mm -hmm. boots, which I saw a TikToker wear those. So I just grabbed them. Yeah. Anything Western, like cottagey. Think like Gigi Hadid when she announced her pregnancy in the polo outfits and like in the horses, like that Western stuff, you know, like that sort of vibe is going to be huge. Like we're definitely designing into it. When it comes to guys, I don't know. I mean, I've done my audience analytics and only 30% of guys do listen to this. However, a lot of girls have boyfriends, have dads, have brothers, Mm -hmm. have whatever for them. You know, what are the basics that every guy needs to have? Guys, you need like a really good pair of jeans. Right now, the tighter are very in. So I don't think you need to go like legging tight, but tighter is definitely in like a black pair of jeans with a good pair of like either Reebok, Vans, I guess we could do a Converse, but I'm not super keen on the Converse. I'm not a Converse on a guy. girl. I'm not a Converse girl. I'm a Vans girl. If we want to get fancy, maybe some Jordans. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. asking questions. I like a ripped jean on a guy for like a casual, you know, dinner or something. And then I would say the jacket. I got I said it once. I'll say it again. The jacket. The jacket on on a guy is coming in. So a jacket is like wool, like flannel, like a flannel. Like guys wear flannels all the time, you know. That's kind of the thing. But these shackets are like thicker and they also come in like corduroy, which is huge. Oh. Um, so you could do like a wool plaid. You could do a solid with Just like get a, a horn thicker, button. a thicker plaid shirt. Yes, that's the move. Corduroy jacket too. Our big brand for guys is Carhartt <laughs> stuff is so trendy for guys. I would say everyone's wearing that like a Carhartt beanie, which to me, I just see like, you know, my dad, like after contracting or something, <laughs> my brother wears those and he's a farmer. So <laughs> I know I feel <laughs> like all the farmers trend. are like, why did the hats get so expensive? And it's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> all the hipsters are coming out. I just don't know how some some guys just can't get into the fashion scene. Any kind of basic t shirt good for them you know like go to h&m buy all of the ten dollar t-shirts yeah i would say go there you need to have a bunch of solid shirts to go underneath your jacket underneath your jean jacket don't want to wear it tight do not wear any of these things tight okay (laughs) dear god please don't wear any of them please do not anything if you're between sizes (laughs) go up a size (laughs) exactly other places that guys should shop definitely h&m men definitely zara men and you know what macy's they have a good selection they have all kinds of stuff there they they revamped the men's brands about five years ago and they're 
we just revamped the women's two years ago. They were kind of our pilot, our of like, will the younger customer come to Macy's? And the answer is yes. There's more guys shop at Macy's than girls, which is insane. So check it out. And I, that's really all I have to say about guys. I don't do a ton of guy research. I do think one thing we should Mm -hmm. address that is out is the Sperry. Oh, wow. Yeah. That I've recently seen a lot. I've I've recently seen a lot in Sperry's. There are still guys wearing them. I went shoe shopping with Max when I was back home in November and Max picked up a Sperry. I was like, we have to walk away. We have to stay 10 feet from a Sperry at all time. And there were a lot of men lurking the section. It's because they're discounted. And this is why this is so important. Yeah, this, so this is why it's so important we talk about this because there are men out there buying Sperry's as we speak. Okay, PSA, the Sperry's were gone in about 2014. For I men, for men, Sperry's. it was part of the like, you know, fratty kind of preppy culture. So I would say for men, it saw its way out for sure by 2015. For sure, 100%. Get it out of here. <laughs> I think it's all about like the nice looking tennis shoe now. Oh, for sure. I would invest in a good pair of tennis shoes. They're, they're good ones with Adidas, Reebok, just anything streetwear, like a, a white shoe with like maybe a label. Recently on your YouTube, you've been really big into the thrifting, which I think is so awesome because again, you're someone who has such a fantastic closet that if you wouldn't have made those videos that said that you bought a lot of that stuff at a thrift store, I'd be like, I literally don't have thousands of dollars to drop on these clothes. But I think that's <laughs> what's so awesome too, is that you're showing like, this is how you can what this is what you need to look for when you thrift so you can also be fashionable and you don't have to you know just fork out millions of dollars on new clothes but thrifting is also can be stressful when you like walk in there's just so much so is there any like thrifting tips and tricks that you've learned i find my best luck of thrifting clothes kind of in like the outerwear section because outerwear changes but not that drastically like it's not like you know a blouse where we see like a thousand blouses every spring summer like everything I go there first. I look at the blazers. They usually fit. You can kind of, you don't need to be like a size small or medium. You can kind of mold into like the size that you need, if that makes sense. And you can try them on like while you're shopping. So that's something that I always go to first. And then you kind of just need to know that when you walk in, you're going to be there for two hours. Like you're, if you're really going to find stuff, you might find like five to 10 items when you go shopping at a thrift store. So you need to look at every single section, like every single row. It's not going to be organized by size. And then what happens is you miss things if it is organized by size, because the workers there aren't exactly super organized. It's not a boutique where they're like, oh, this kind of top goes here in the order of the sizes. And then it's not displayed. It's just like thrown in there. It's a treasure hunt. I go in there without any expectation. Every time I'm flipping through a shirt or something, what do I have in my closet that I can wear this with? And if I can't picture myself wearing it two different ways, and like where I'm wearing it, then it might be cute. It might be cool, but it's not for me. It's not my style. So let's do a quick round of rapid fire. I've been recently doing it with my guests on the podcast. No one's given me this feedback, but I think it's gone well. (laughs) Upper East Side or Lower East Side? Upper East Side. Where I live. Would you rather wear a dress or a skirt? A skirt. But not the mini skirt. (laughs) Not a mini skirt. Taxi or Uber? Taxi. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. Central Park or Times Square? Central Park. (laughs) (laughs) Red wine or white wine? Red wine. Or rosé. There's always rosé. Or rosé. I do love a rosé. Honestly, I'll take any wine. Let's just do it all. <laughs> a night out or a night in? A night out. Oh my God, I would do anything to go out. Heels or wedges? Wedges? No, heels. I don't I don't know. <laughs> YouTube or Instagram? 
YouTube. That was it. That's all I had for you. But thank you so much for being on the podcast. And people want to find you. They need to reach out to you about their fashion crisis. I have before. Where can they find you? (laughs) So I'm on Instagram at Mallory Alita. And then I'm also on YouTube at Mallory Alita. So you can find me there. DM me. Feel free. I love getting people DMing me, asking me what to wear with this. I don't know what to wear. Like I love giving advice. So definitely do that. You can follow my Poshmark, which is a lot of my thrifting finds between my mom and I. And that's also Mallory Alita. Definitely be going on to find you. And so thank you again so much for being on the podcast and we'll talk soon.